I'll just see you out there, Cam. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Kellen Olsen is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now. He's back in Phoenix, I believe. I just saw him yesterday, and there's no reason to go back to Denver until hopefully next week. Killer. Kellen, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? Uh, it's <laughs> just great. I would love it if the series was even. Um, here, let's let's start with the, uh, the, the biggest question I had coming out of Game 2, and maybe it's not the biggest question, but it's the biggest one I had. The approach that the Suns took with Jokic and, I guess, uh, Jamal Murray at the same time, is that something that they're going to continue to do going forward, do you think? Because that part did seem to work. Yeah, I think it's sustainable to some extent. I think that where you start to get in trouble is if Jamal Murray just finds a little bit more of a rhythm and then you're allowing Jokic to be that level of score. The the reason why it worked was it they basically challenged Jokic and Gordon to be scores. They were playing off of Gordon, and I thought Gordon still had a pretty good game, too, after a really good game one. But you saw moments in the first half where he was hesitating a bit with the ball, and then when Jokic had the ball in that first quarter especially, it just wasn't really moving that much because the Suns weren't playing off of anyone and were allowing Jokic to go at Aiton, who I thought did a pretty good job on Jokic in that game, too. So I do think that it's sustainable to some extent, but I think the biggest thing that I'm watching for from an adjustment standpoint, we're talking so much about Chris Paul and all this kind of stuff, obviously, for very obvious reasons, but at the same time, Denver's biggest thing is going to be how do they get Jamal Murray going again in Game 3, and that's probably the biggest thing I'm watching for on Friday. So, Killer, if the Suns have a vocal leader on this team, who would you say it is? Oh, man, Uh, on the roster, uh, excluding money? Yes. Uh, It sounds like it's Book. Uh, It's either Book or Chris. Uh, I'm not really sure. I I can't say just because we're not in the locker room during those moments, obviously. But what you're alluding to is what Book said after game two. He told us more or less what he said, which was that he just loves playoff basketball. He loves the opportunity that they get to do what they do and have the chance to play it at the highest level right now in the playoffs like they do. And I asked Book about that yesterday and just when he – when he tries to find those moments and when he thinks those moments are viable for him to speak up and say something. And because Monty went on to say something to the extent of like those moments when book steps up and says something before I'm even in the room and gets us on track already have just been like, we wouldn't be where we are right now without him doing that. And book just said, he's developed a feel for it over the years has learned what works, what hasn't worked. And when I asked him who he thinks of when it works, he didn't want to, he politely declined to reveal who he thinks of. But just think about all the great leaders that he's played <laughs> with over the years, whether you go to Team USA, whether you go like to Kentucky even, maybe you go to the Suns. Like it's, there's a lot of examples that he can pull from, and it seems like he's there right now for the team. And I think that's the main thing to realize is that while this team is really shorthanded and they lost like such a significant leader like Chris, they still have Booker, they still have Durant, two guys who are going to continue to lead the team and also won't feel any pressure at all down 0-2 right now. Would you still say that Book leads the team in FaceTime where he actually gets in front of some people and says some things to them? Would you say that Devin Booker does that regularly? Yeah, I think so, and especially with the way in which the team dynamic has shifted this season, right? Like, I don't 
I think there are some guys who will come into a team in the middle of the season and still feel the need to do that as much as possible, but I don't think Kevin Durant is one of them necessarily. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what his leadership style is specifically, but I'm going to guess it's not really much of that. It's more of leading by example. It's more of seeing how hard he's going 45 minutes after practice and being like, oh, well, I was about to, maybe I should do one more session and right. with weights really quick just to be, make sure I'm keeping up there. Uh, that's more of his. It's been leading by example. But, yeah, I mean, it was covering those 19-20 win teams. I remember how much books specifically would talk about how important it is for accountability and how much they need accountability. And I think that he learned over those times that not being afraid to step up and address what's wrong and get in front of it and talk about it with each other was a big thing that he learned over that stretch, and that's what they're, they've been doing over these couple of seasons through a lot of success. We're talking to Kellen Olson. Uh, Kellen, reading your piece on Arizona Sports that's up there today, um, you referenced in there Monty Williams talking about potential uh, offensive pieces coming off the bench, and, and it seemed like he was open to a guy like Terrence Ross or T.J. Warren stepping up and maybe playing a bigger role on Friday. Is that fair? It's what he said. Uh, we'll see on Friday. Uh, I, I'm not sure yet. I really can't say with certainty who we're going to see. I think that the fact that we can roll through still half a dozen guys who could potentially start game three just says a lot about the position that they're in, both positively and negatively. I think most people are focusing on the negative, of course, but they went through such this injury-riddled stretch over the course of the regular season where pretty much everyone got to prove themselves. I mean, even a guy like T.J. Warren, who played 15 games for this team or whatever it was, he had those four or five games on the road where he looked like he was really starting to put stuff together. We've seen Terrence Ross have some really good moments in, in late in the season. And then, of course, the guys who have been around throughout the year have had their own positive stretches as well to lead to some confidence that they rightfully earned. But I, I, I really don't know what their rotation is look like, looking like. I feel confident in saying that one of Ross or Warren is going to be in there. Now, are they going to start? Are they going to be the first guy off the bench? Or are they just going to play – five, six minutes each half. I'm not exactly sure, but I think the main thing that Monty has always been cognizant of and is focused on is not overworking Booker and Durant. And I know that the minute totals have been high, but something Chris talked about back in the L.A. series is that while 45 minutes looks like 45 minutes, a lot of the times there's breaks in there, there's stretches in there where they're not really on the ball as much. That goes out the window now with only Booker and Durant out there. Like campaign's going to be out there with them quite a bit as well but they're going to need some relief and they're going to need space to do what they do. And that's where like the shooting of Terrence Ross and Damian Lee comes into the picture. That's where the additional scoring that TJ Warren provides comes in, but there's always a delicate balance. There. And we talk about how well they executed defensively. They've got to have some of their better defenders out there as well. So we'll see. But as you can tell, like I'm not really sure who we're going to see out there. You know, it's interesting to me, Killer, because the news came down that Chris Paul was going to miss most likely games three, four, and five, and yet the designation on him is day-to-day right here. What can you tell us about Chris Paul and your expectation as to whether or not he comes back before game six? Yeah, we, we never know. Uh, to be honest, I think you guys will remember that during the Lakers series two years ago, it was called a right shoulder contusion, and it sure looked like something that was not just a contusion. So, like, the exact specifics of the injury. Now, left groin strain, that seems like more or less what this is, right? But we know that Chris has been hurt over the last two years, and whether it was the wrist thing, whether it was, I think, a, a hamstring for the Dallas series, whether it was... Um, other things that he's dealt with, like his hand over the last couple of weeks, like we sometimes we don't get inclined to like those kind of reports necessarily. And so 
it's not even just taking it with a grain of salt. It's just waiting until he's ruled out or not. But the reporting there from Shamshirani, I think, is, is certainly legitimate. And it's just more that the Suns prefer to play their cards close to the vest whenever they can. And this is one of those situations where they do. Uh, Kellen Booker referenced uh, yesterday the the you know control what you can control mentality that they have, and it's obviously the right approach. But in your mind, how much of of winning Game Three comes down to things the Suns can control, and how much of it is influenced by the Nuggets? Um, I, I think it's both. Uh, I wrote a piece on ArizonaSports.com about how Denver has the pressure on them now, and this is really the first time in which that has happened to them. Because they are in the driver's seat now to win the West. They're plus 310 with the gambling odds right now to win the title. And they were at plus 1100 a month ago when the playoffs started. So they're just in this brand new position they've never really seen before. Much like Phoenix, uh, the, the noise coming out of Phoenix a couple of years ago, Denver has been clamoring for their team to get more attention, more respect as a legitimate title contender. And that's what they're getting right now. And they're in this position, like I said, where they're in the driver's seat. So naturally, the pressure goes on them, and I'm just curious to see how they respond to it because you guys remember the quotes leading into the series where it felt like the Nuggets were kind of embracing the fact that they were almost underdogs in the series, which they weren't necessarily. It was more of a coin flip. Like, we all agreed that this was a very 50-50, who knows, kind of series, but they were embracing the fact that it was even that when they were the top seed. That's not the case anymore. They are the overwhelming favorites to win this series now, both with the gambling odds and just knowing that Chris Paul is out for these three games and how those two games went. So I'm curious to see on the road. They're a 19-22 and 22 road team this year to see how they respond. I think that they'll respond well, to be clear. But to your point, Game 3 could be just as much about how they respond to being in this position than how the Suns play without Chris Paul. Kellen, great stuff as always, man. Hopefully this playoff run continues. We'll talk to you again soon, all right? Yep, thanks, guys. All right, Killer.